Romans 8, 22, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth. Another translation says cries out in pain together until now. The whole of creation. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Notice that capital S referring to that Holy Spirit, that Spirit of God that He has given us. Even we, referring to humanity, ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Paul, the writer in the book of Romans, says in verse 22 that all of creation is, is in this together. There is a cry from creation. There is this travail, this groaning, this anticipation, as it were. And he says, but it's not just limited to creation, but even we ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. I want to speak to this morning on this subject, the cry of creation. The cry of creation. I wonder right now if you'd lift your hands and if you'd lift your voices and your hearts. Would you cry out to that great creator right now? Lord, in the name of Jesus, we acknowledge our dependence upon you. We come into your presence today, Lord, not because of our own merit, but because of our desire to know you, to be in your presence and to feel your power and your love and your glory. We thank you, Lord, that we feel it already, but we ask you, God, that you would anoint us, hearts and minds, to receive your word. Let us not be distracted with the cares and struggles and trials of life, the things that are all around us. But for just a few moments today, God, let us come into your presence. Let us come into your presence, Lord, with anticipation, with a desire, Lord, that you would speak to us and that lives would be changed. We thank you for that opportunity, Lord, and we will give you praise for all things. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. It is interesting as we look to these scriptures in the book of Romans that the Bible makes it clear that the whole of creation are not just a part, not just the trees, not just the animals, the birds, the creatures that roam this earth, but the Bible says that the whole of creation travaileth or cries out. We have examples of this as we look through the scripture. Examples of creation crying out. Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees in Jerusalem that if they were to stop the people from worshiping and crying out, that the very rocks would cry out. There is a praise that is in this earth. I don't think it's lost on the fact that that very place, the Bible says, where Jesus was walking at that point as he came into Jerusalem was at the descent of the Mount of Olives where the tabernacle of David had been built and had fallen down. But yet, that tabernacle that was built to represent praise was still reverberating through those rocks and those stones. I'd like to think that maybe many years later after this is perhaps not a church anymore that there would still be a praise that's in the concrete and the steel and the brick and the, the 
uh, building that we're a part of here. I'd like to think that from this day forward, this building's always going to have a praise in it because it's heard too many people. Heard too many people glorify God. Amen. Someone said, oh, if the walls could talk. Well, I'm going to tell you what, folks. The walls can talk. Oh, yeah. The walls can talk. There is a cry that comes out from this earth. It recognizes that there is a creator. I don't know how you live in this world and not believe that there's a God. The Bible said a fool looks into the heavens and says there is no God. It is clear that all of creation acknowledges that indeed there is a creator. And when Jesus was crucified, creation reacted. It became dark in the middle of the day. The earth shook, the Bible says, and the rocks were ripped open. And even if we look around through nature today, we know that there is a sound, there is a cry. You can go through the woods, you can hear the wind blowing and rustling through the trees, you can hear the sounds of water going over a the small smooth stones of a brook or, or maybe the rushing water coming over a waterfall and you can hear the sound that fire makes and you can hear this earth and the unmistakable cry that goes forth. You can go out into the woods at night and, and you can hear the sounds of nature. You can hear the cries of creation. And for many years we thought that there was no way to be able to discern whether or not there was even any cry or any sound that would come from from outer space but now we're learning because of the advancement of technology we are learning that not just the earth but even its surroundings in the heavens there is an audible cry in space electromagnetic vibrations exist and and they can be mapped as sound these electromagnetic vibrations they pulsate in different wavelengths and they can be recorded by special equipment from NASA's spacecrafts that have put these things in the air. The recordings are then translated into sounds that, that your ears can hear and that my ears can hear. In fact, here's just a small uh, sample of sounds that are coming forth from some of the planets around us. earth has a voice that's pulsating out throughout all of the heavens I was listening the other day to a lady who's a 
a uh, physical science professor, and she was explaining that how they've been able to map sounds now that come out of black holes. She was speaking at one of these TED Talks, and she was describing how that these black holes, and it goes all the way back to different theories that came from Einstein and other uh, scientists that came after him, but these black holes in space that are so big and massive that even light seems to have no uh, impact on them because they just, they literally swallow up light. And, and they said now they've been able to map sounds and she played audio of it that even these black holes that are in space that, that seemingly devour everything, that even these black holes have sounds. And she says it sounds like a drum that is beating. And she played a sound of two black holes that were uh, near each other and the sound that sounded like a, a drum that was beating as they pushed and pulled and back and forth. I couldn't help but listen to all of this and think, what an amazing God we serve. What an amazing God we serve. Our little finite brains can't even hardly comprehend all of creation and, and all the the galaxies and the expansion and all of it. It's, a, it's an amazing thing, but the thing that came into my mind was that even whenever light doesn't help to define certain aspects of the outer reaches of space, that even now we are hearing the sounds that come from these planets and from these black holes and from these areas that we can't even travel to and, and light doesn't even help to illuminate for us to see it but yet we can hear. And it all goes back to the Bible because the Bible said that all of creation, every star, every black hole, every galaxy, Milky Way, beyond your furthest imagination, the creation of this world and the worlds that we've not even explored yet, all of it has the fingerprint of a God that has given it a voice to cry. I tell you today that the first sound of creation was the breath of God when he said, let there be light. I don't know what it sounded like, but can you imagine when that sound came out throughout the blackness? The Bible said that it was void and without form, but when God spoke, there was a sound that went out. Can I tell you today, my friend, that that's still the same God that you and I serve today? He's not a God whose hands are tied. He's not a God that's held captive by public opinion. He is a mighty God. He sits upon the circle of the earth. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. He's bigger than your biggest problem. He's bigger than your, your chaos. He's bigger than the blackness and the void that you may be facing in your own immediate surroundings. There is a God that can speak life into that darkness. That's the world that we live in, the natural world. We're just now, because of the advancement of science and math and technology, we're giving somehow trying to just get a, not just a glimpse, but just a, a little bit of a sound from all that's happening in this incredible world around us. But yet we know, ladies and gentlemen, that it all starts and ends with Almighty God. He spoke the worlds into existence. But it wasn't just there where he stopped speaking. He's been speaking ever since. 
And I love whenever we read about in Acts chapter 2 that when the Holy Ghost was poured out upon humanity, that the Bible says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Before it ever appeared as cloven tongues, before they ever heard them speak in other tongues, before there was ever the appearance of, of, a, of a cloven tongue of fire, there was a sound that came from heaven. As of a Russian mighty wind. I, I wish I could give you all the examples in the Bible, but let me just tell you about a couple of them. There was a time whenever God brought deliverance to the city of Samaria, whenever they were held captive by the Syrian army. And we know the story as the four lepers that made their way there. But when they started interviewing these people and saying, why did you leave your camp? Why did you, you leave Samaria? Why did you run for the hills? They said, we heard a sound of many armies. you realize that God is speaking into your situation just because you and I haven't heard it doesn't mean that God's not already speaking it into your existence into your particular situation there is a sound from heaven I said there is a sound from heaven there is a cry from all of creation that says we need God we are hungry for God we are desperate for God we are waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of this body and I say to you today that if all of creation cries out to the creator and it does if the earth cries out and it does if the universe cries cries out and it does if the spirit and the heavens if they all have a cry how much more should you and I as the first fruits of the spirit of God how much more should you and I those that were created in the image of God how much more should you and I cry out to our creator and say Jesus have mercy on There ought to be a cry to come from the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. Just like a baby that cries out for its mother, creation cries out for the creator. So it seems odd to me that man, you and I, humanity, the exalted of all creation, part of creation that was designed in the image of God, it seems out of sync. It seems out of designed or out of the pattern of God. You and I would silence our cry. And to stay silent when all of creation is crying out. Why should you and I keep silent? Why should we hold our peace? There ought to be a cry to come out. From you and I as humanity, the first fruits of the Spirit. And I tell you today that in fact you and I were created to cry out. Oh yes we were. We were made for the purpose of dispatching audible sounds. Nobody has to teach a baby how to cry. When a baby is born, nobody has to give it a seminar. Now here's what you do. Junior, if you'll cry, your mama will feed you. <laughs> Nobody has to tell the baby to do that. 
comes out and wah! And everybody's happy when the baby's crying. Hold it up by its heels, smack it on the rear end, and wah! And everybody smiles. And in fact, if the baby's not crying, there's a problem. They just keep smacking the baby around until it starts crying. Well, it's much more sophisticated than that, I know, but... The point is that there's not a problem when the baby's crying. When it's born and the baby hollers out and cries... There's smiles, the mother's smiling, the father's smiling if he's still conscious. The nurse, the doctors, everybody's happy. But soon after that, things change. People start frowning at you then when you cry. I mean, when you're born and you cry, everybody's happy. Then right after that, you start crying and people start looking at you. You start crying in a restaurant. People frown and looking at you funny. What's the matter with that baby? More accurately, what's wrong with its parents? Baby cries in an airplane. You ought to see everybody in an airplane. Turns around, looks at the baby, looks at the parent. You ever been on an airplane with a baby that's crying because its ears hurt or something? Can you feel 150 people looking at you? You never heard a baby cry in an airplane before? They're not turning to look at the baby. They're turning to look at the parent. What kind of a parent would bring a baby on an airplane? The kind that enjoys the fact that they're free until they're two years old. That's the kind. Same thing we did. Same thing everybody does. It's got to get somewhere. Part of being a baby, you cry. When I was born and I cried, everybody liked it. Now nobody likes it. You bring them to church. They start crying. People in church start looking at you. Pretty soon, Brother Derek's easing down the aisle, standing there next to you. (laughs) Wish everybody had a Brother Derek Hayes. They wish it. We try to be nice. You know, we have nurseries for you. We have a nursery. We have wonderful people that are there. They have candy for the children. (laughs) What changed? Because when I was a baby and I cried out, everybody thought it was good. Now it's bad. Same thing is true with eating. When you're little, they're like, come on, you got to eat. Come on, you got to eat. And then as you get older, it's like, are you still eating? I was supposed to eat. Everybody was happy when I was eating. You're made to cry out. Then you go to school and you get in trouble and you come home and you're, you get in trouble again. I told the service this morning, I said, you know, when I was a kid, you go to school, you got in trouble, you got home, you got in trouble again. Not now. Not now. Nowadays, you go to school, you get in trouble, you come home, you tell your parents. Your parents get mad at the school officials. Because God forbid that little Johnny could ever do anything wrong. I know y'all can't laugh very loud because it hurts too hard. <laughs> but that was the society we were in. There was a united front. So you'd get in trouble at school and then you'd come home and then your parents would go on to you. And then, I don't know if you guys do this anymore, but my dad would whip me with a belt. That's why I'm so emotionally scarred. And 
It's hard for me to say that with a straight face. <laughs> and then when you would get whipped by your parents, then now they would say something to you that's very confusing. They would say something to you like, you better dry up those tears or I'll give you something to cry about. Have you ever heard that before? It's so confusing because I thought you were supposed to cry. Because if you don't cry and it's like, you've got a bad attitude, you're not crying. You're not remorseful. But then if you do cry, at some point there's a line where you're crying too much. I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, the same thing is true spiritually. When we are little and we pray out loud, everybody thinks it's so cute. Oh, that cute little boy, little girl, they're praying. They may even put you on television. If you can put together some sort of a coherent sentence and you're little and you pray, everybody thinks it's cute. But then as you get bigger, somehow it changes. If you start praying out loud at Walmart now, people are going to look at you. You go to pray in an airport, people be like, well, you know, we got rooms for that. We got a place for you to go to do that. Keep it to yourself. You're disturbing the peace. It's almost like we're supposed to keep quiet. Well, folks, this is not anything new. They tried to keep blind Bartimaeus quiet. In fact, they, in fact they, I was reading the other day, one of the gospels said there was two blind men crying out. I think that he got so loud that one of the, one of the apostles, they thought there was two of them crying out. Because one of the gospels, doesn't it, Bishop, says there's two crying out. He was blind. Jesus was coming to town. They put him on the wayside. He already had a reputation for crying out. Bartimaeus, you go sit way over there. Over here, I've never, I've never been over. No, we got Jesus is coming to town. Is that right? Yeah. So you go way over here. We're going to put you over here on the back 40. Jesus is going to be over there. But you're going to be way over here. And Bartimaeus is over there. He's blind. Alms, alms. There ain't nobody over there. Everybody's over there on Main Street. Bartimaeus is on the, on the wayside. But Bartimaeus makes a decision to cry out. Jesus! He cried out. I'm so glad I got a microphone. He cried out so loud, Brother Steve, it was uncomfortable for everybody else. But you know what? If you really need help, you don't care whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable for everybody else. All you know is I'm tired of being blind. I'm tired of being pushed in a corner. I'm tired of being told I'm not ever going to get healed. I've heard that Jesus has got power. He's got authority. And if I cry out loud enough, He will hear me. He cried out so loud it made everybody so uncomfortable. They told him to be quiet. Keep quiet. The Bible says that. They told him 
They hushed him up. Shh! Hush! You're a blind man. Be quiet. Just because I can't see don't mean I can't yell. I'm going to tell you what, folks. There's times when you got to make up in your mind, I'm going to get a hold of God, and I don't care what anybody thinks. When Hannah got tired of not having a child, she got in the temple and she prayed so loud and so hard that Eli, the high priest, thought she was drunk and went over and slapped her on her face. She said, I'm not drunk. I'm just desperate. I feel like God is calling all of us in humanity to a place to cry out to our Creator. It ought not to matter what anybody else thinks. If you want to get a hold of God, you ought to cry out. You ought to cry out. I need help. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I don't read anywhere in the Bible where God turned away people when they cried out to him. There were times when the disciples and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the crowd tried to keep people quiet, tried to push them away, tried to tell the children to be moved to another location. But Jesus never turned them away because if a man or a woman or a boy or a girl will cry out to the creator God will hear your cry and so the question for all of us is if indeed God responds to all of us crying out why do we not cry out why do we not cry out well first of all there's three areas the next couple of minutes I have with you I'll just go through these real quick there's three areas that I've noticed that will trigger a cry from humanity. The first area is when we need help. When we need help, we will cry out. The psalmist said this. He said, in my distress. Everybody say distress. That means I need help. In my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. In my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. You've got to acknowledge that you need help. You've got to get to a place where you're like, money's not going to solve this. Friends are not going to solve this. Influence is not going to solve this. I've got to get a hold of God. I don't care what it looks like, what it sounds like, what anybody thinks. I'm going to cry out and my creator is going to hear my cry. you got to make up in your mind you're not worried about your own ego. you got to have help. i got to have help. You ever got sick and you tried to manage it for a while and it finally just got to the point where you're just like, it's just not working. i got to get some help. You ever been to that point in your physical body? The same thing is true in your spiritual person. you got to get to the point where you're like, I don't care what anybody else is saying. i got to get some help. i got to get a hold of God. I'm going to tell you what, you can be in your house, you can be at the midnight hour, and you can cry out. That's what Paul and Silas did. They beat them, put them in prison, locked them in there. They said, we're going to sing, we're going to worship God anyhow. We got to have some help. They started singing, worshiping God, crying out, hollering, 
Oh, my friend, it doesn't matter where you are, what situation you're in. If you'll cry out, there is a creator that designed you and created you and put a voice in you and put a desire and a hunger in your heart for the specific purpose to use it, to reach out and to cry out to God. How crazy is it not to cry out for help when it's all around you? Think about the fact you were out in the woods and you were lost or something. You didn't have any food. You were dehydrated with no water. You were disoriented. You needed help. And just a few hundred yards from you, unbeknownst to you, was a big resort with all the amenities. People out there laying around the pool. And they could hear you if you would just cry out. Very bad. How sad for a person to sit in a state of need so close to their answer and not cry out. There's all kinds of examples and stories of this, but I think you get the point. God has designed us to cry out. I need some help. I need some help. I don't know where I'm at. I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. How many of you are like this when you go into a store, you immediately look for somebody to help you? All right, let me make it. I got I to gotta break this down. How many, if you go into a superstore like, like a Home Depot or a Walmart and you need to find something, you can't find it, how many of you will look with somebody with a blue vest on or a... All right. You're like, I got to go and find light bulbs or whatever. And you go and you can't find it. I got one son... I got twin sons, you know, and they supposed to be identical twins, but they're very different in their personalities. I have one son that when he goes into the store, regardless of what he's looking for, he always goes to the same place. And that's a person. Before he even looks for the item, he will look for the person. Can you tell me where so-and-so is? And the person tells him, that's fine. My other son, I won't tell you which one they are. They're both right down here. My other son, on the other hand, when he goes to the store, he will look for two hours and never ask anybody to help. I'm walking up and down aisles with him. Why don't we just ask somebody? Because I'm more like that first one. Why don't we just ask somebody? No, Dad, I think it's right over here on this other aisle. He don't want to bother nobody. So we go all the way down there. I think it's on this aisle. All right. We walk all the way down that aisle. Meanwhile, the other one, he's got three people around him. He's already got all of his items together. and He's teaching a Bible study to the... (laughs) I got to thinking, that's so true of all of us in the spiritual world. We don't want to 
We don't want to bother nobody. Have you ever been into one of them stores in the mall where you walk in? And it's a really small store. You don't need any help. I mean, everything's like right there. Like 300 square feet. And those people are really helpful. They jump over the counter. Can I help you? Can I help you find anything? I mean, it's all right. I'm like, unless we're going to go back looking in the store or the stock room in the back, I'm, I'm good. Well, and they always say this. If you need anything, if you need any help, just let us know. We need to take those people and put those people in Walmart. Home Depot. Can we do that? We'll give you guys an idea. You may want to use it. Put it on Shark Tank. Design a store that has that kind of service, but it's still a mega store. Just an idea. But they always say, if you need any help, just let us know. Okay. So guess what happens when you walk around those stores? Usually you walk around for like five seconds if you're like me and then you walk out. Because when men shop, they go in looking for one item. I need to get some men around here that got, got an amen in them. Women go to shop, they look for deals. It's like a treasure hunt. I don't even need that, but I know where that is, and when I get ready to need it, I'm going to know where to go. Because those over there are only 50% off. My wife will go shopping, she'll come back, she'll say, I saved you 75%, 50%, 40%, 35%, and 25%. I said, honey, if you keep saving me money, I'm going to go broke. But now men, they don't shop like that. We go in, we look for one thing. What you looking for? A drill. Here's the drills. What kind you want? We do better if we got like one or two choices. Here's 18 different drills. You know what we do? We look for the one that's packaged in the prettiest box. <laughs> At least me. I don't know anything about drills. You guys know about drills. You probably don't do that. But it's hard for us to admit that we need help. Hard for us to admit that. Now maybe, I don't know, this is for a men's seminar or something, but... Sometimes it's hard for us to admit that we don't know what's going on in the conversation. Because we don't want to ask a question look stupid. The other day I was meeting with some of the men that we mentored, Joshua's men, and they said, Friday was 420 day. I said, 420, what in the world does that mean? That's what I said to myself at first. 420 day. I think I'm saying the right numbers. I hope I am. Am I? Some of y'all admit, y'all know this. Y'all shouldn't have admitted that you knew what this was. So I sat there for a minute and I said, now you can look really stupid and go home and not know what 420 is. You can say something. So finally in the conversation, I said, what is 420 day? They said, pastor, you don't know what 420 is? 
I said, no, I know what 220 is. <laughs> What's 420? They had to explain to me that that's some kind of a something that means something in the drug world. 420 means something. What does it mean? Does anybody know? Y'all going to act like y'all don't know. No, I know how this goes. <laughs> what does it mean, Chris? You were there. It's a marijuana holiday. Like they need a holiday. 420 day. Like, I don't know what 420 day is. And then they all looked at me really incredulously. They were like, Pastor, are you sure you didn't know what 420? I'm like, I don't know what 420 day means. That's just one example. There's times that we're in the middle of something. We're like, we don't want to act like we don't know what it is. So we just keep quiet. There are times that we desperately need help from God. But we keep quiet. Because we don't want to bother God or we don't want to bother nobody. And I've come to tell you this really simple message this morning. God designed you to raise your hand. Just a second. I need to know what this salvation is all about. Hold on just a second. Even when you need validation and proof like doubting Thomas needed. He didn't push him aside. Everybody else said, I believe. Thomas is like, I'm not so sure. He found Thomas and said, feel the nail prints in my hand. The point is this. God wants you and I to cry out. To raise your hand. To ask a question. To not just sit in silence and deal with all the pain and all of the heartache. But to say, wait a second. What does it mean I must be born again? What does it mean to be born of the Spirit? I want to know what this is all about. Cry out. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. Because if you need help, you'll cry out. Here's what Jesus said. He said, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey. He's come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though this is the Lord, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. That's what the NIV version says. Your shameless audacity. Your determination. Hello! You know what those people in the house were thinking? They're thinking what you and I do. If we just sit real quiet, they'll go away. (laughs) Hello! 
Honey, you better get the door. They're not going away. Shh. House is dark. It's quiet. Maybe they'll think we're not here. If you don't answer the door. This is kind of what I do on Halloween night. I don't have any candy. Go away. Shameless audacity. What does that mean? You're just not going to take no for an answer. You're not going to take silence for an answer. There's times when you've got to say, I'm going to get a hold of the, of the horns of the altar, and I'm not going to take silence for an answer. I know that there's a sound coming from heaven. There's a sound coming from heaven because there's been a sound that has come from creation. There's been a cry. There's been a determination on the part of you and I to say, God, I've got to have your help. I'm not going to take no. I'm not going to take silence. I'm going to keep knocking. He said this. i got to hurry. Because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, these are the words of the Lord, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Here I am again, Lord, Sunday morning. Here I am again, Lord, Sunday night. Here I am again, Lord, Monday morning. Here I am again, Lord, Monday night. Here I am again, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night. You're not ever going to get a bad attitude from God. You know what God's going to say? I created them to do that. I created them to cry out. I designed them as the first fruits of all of creation to cry out. We got to hurry. Here's the second reason we'll cry out. We'll cry out when we are hurt. Hello? See, there, some of y'all don't even want to vote. Not me, Pastor. I won't bother nobody. I can be hurt, and I won't say a word. You're a liar. You're a liar. <laughs> Not right, Reggie? Me and you, buddy. If you get hurt, you're going to cry out. You're going to make a noise. I'm hurt. You're working on a car and the jack falls and got you, got your leg pinned under there. You just going to lay there and die. Are you going to holler out? Somebody help me! Oh no, people cry out when they get hurt. Oh yeah, they will. Why shouldn't we be the same way when we face spiritual matters? You know what the issue is? We don't think we're hurt. We got this. We can manage it. But God is wanting us to acknowledge that we need him 
and that we will cry out. We should be able, encouraged, and empowered to cry out. Because if you and I fell into a one of those habitats at a zoo, you know, where a bunch of wild animals are wandering around, lions are roaming around, licking their chops. You leaned over there trying to get a good picture and you fell into it. And a bunch of lions came and surrounded you, started licking your toes. And all these people in the zoo are all up there looking at you. And you sitting there and about three or four lions are licking their chops. And you're laying there in the middle of them. You going to tell me you're not going to holler? How bad you are. I had somebody tell me one time, they said, if you ever get in trouble with a bear, you got to know how to respond. The difference between a black bear and a grizzly bear. Said, a black bear, you fight. You hit them in the nose, try to stick your finger in their eye, do something. Because there's times when a black bear will get intimidated, afraid. If you fight, holler, you yell as loud as you can. But they said, a grizzly, you don't do that. Because a grizzly won't ever stop. So if you ever get in the woods, this is just for free, y'all, just to help y'all. If you ever get in the woods and you come upon a grizzly, they say what you do is you curl up in a ball in a fetal position like this. And you just hope that he gets bored and walks away. I said, not me. I may live to regret these words. But if I'm going to die, I'm not going to die curled up in a fetal position. If you're going to die spiritually curled up in a fetal position, that's up for you. If you're going to die in a fetal position, sitting in the corner, sucking your thumb, saying, God, don't care about me. That church don't care about me. That's up for you. But I'm going to tell you what. I think it'd be a lot better if you and I would cry out, Jesus! I'm sorry, God. I didn't mean to do it. I've got to have your presence. I've got to have your touch. I've got to have your anointing. I'm not ready to die yet. Have mercy on me. Would you stand to your feet this morning? The text said, For we know that the whole of creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown, watch this, waiting for the adoption. Here's the third reason people will cry out. They will cry out when there's hope. Not just when there's help that's needed, not just whenever you're hurting. When you sense that there's hope. If you don't think there's hope, you won't even cry out. It's like people that go to root for their favorite sports teams. They're down so far. They're down three touchdowns, four touchdowns. There's two minutes left. It was, there's no reason to even holler. Ain't nobody getting up on their feet cheering. 
they're all going to get extra hot dogs or they're all headed to their car. It's too far gone. Nothing we can do. But if it's close, if it's only a few points, if in their minds they can still see if that guy intercepts it, runs it here, goes there, that guy gets the ball, runs in a fast break and calls a timeout real quick. If there's still hope that the outcome can be different. Stay into the bitter end. More sobering examples. What I told you about a few weeks ago, my friends, they went to China, that big orphanage with all those babies lined up. Hundreds of them. Not a one of them crying. They said, why did those babies not cry anymore? He said, because they've cried so loud and so long. They've given up hope that anybody will hear them. So they don't even cry. Oh, my friend. The enemy can't stop God from responding to you. So he has to try to convince you that there's no hope. So you won't cry out. I've come today with one purpose, and that is to debunk that lie. There is hope. There is hope. There's a resurrection spirit that's on this earth. I told the service this morning, I said, I often wondered about why creation responded when Jesus was crucified. I thought they just responded because of the suffering of their master and the, and the darkness and, the, and the, the rocks were rent and all. But when I read that this week, I saw that all those things reacted after the Bible says he gave up the ghost or his spirit. And I read a little further and it said, darkness came in the... And the rocks were rent and the graves gave up the dead. And I realized all of that was creation responding to the hope that now there's a resurrection spirit that has been deposited on this earth. There's a redemption even of creation that's coming. There's a regeneration of this earth that's coming. And even the planets know. God wants to take away that hope from every single human being and convince you you'll always live in pain. You'll always struggle. Nothing's ever going to change. I've come to tell you today that if you'll just cry, Jesus, 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 whether you need a healing in your body, a healing in your mind, a healing in your home, or if you've never had that resurrection spirit come in and take residence in your life, I wonder today if you would cry out by stepping out from where you're standing and coming down to the front and standing in this altar area right now. You're the first fruits of creation. You're the ones God created with a voice to cry out to God. There's hope. All things have not gone the way that I thought they would, but there's still hope. 
there's still room. Things are going to change. Sure, time is evaporating quickly and it appears that things are all wrapping up. Ladies and gentlemen, we still serve a God of miraculous finishes. I forget when I was a boy listening to Al Michaels broadcasting that hockey game between the United States and Russia. I think right to the end, the Russians were all professionals, Americans were all just amateur hockey players out of college. We were in the, the midst of a cold war. And they got right to the end. And I'll never forget as a boy listening to that on the radio. We didn't have a TV. We were just listening to it. But as those crowds begin to cheer, I think it, they were playing up in Lake Placid, New York. I'll never forget hearing that sportscaster say, do you believe in miracles? just a sports game of course it had all other kind of ramifications because of it was the USSR and the USA do you believe in miracles and the noise and the sound as the United States won that hockey game it was almost symbolic of the fact that we're still the United States of America. We still believe that we can win. I want to ask this beautiful congregation this question. And I don't know what you may be going through today, but I know human nature and life being as it is. You can visualize yourself. Maybe you feel that you're on the losing end. But if you could just muster up some hope in your spirit and in your soul today. Say, I still believe in miracles. I still believe in miraculous finishes. It's not about how you started this race. It's about how you end the race. There's hope. There's hope. I don't know what you may be facing or what you may be fighting. But there's hope. And as long as there's hope, there ought to be a cry from God's people. I'm not going to just lay down and die. I'm not going to just allow this cancer to consume my body. I'm going to call out to God. I'm not going to just allow my marriage to be destroyed. I'm going to call out to God. I'm not just going to give up on my child. I'm going to cry. Whatever it is, whatever it's in your situation, I wonder if all of us individually and collectively, we could raise our hands right now. I wonder if you could lift your voice like a megaphone. And would you cry out to God with all of your strength?
Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe God can make a way where there seems to be nothing? We need you, Jesus. We're not going to just go through the motions. We're not just marking time. We're not just here fulfilling some ritual or routine. We are desperate for you, God. We desire a supernatural move of your spirit. Jesus, the Son of David, have mercy on me, Lord. Why should we hear and die? We will stand up, we will cry out to you. Call out to you, Jesus. To the 
keep worshiping. I'm gonna keep crying out. We worship you today. We worship you today. 